Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello? Yes. Okay. In five, four, three, two, one. Hello, Tiger Nation, and welcome to another edition of Tiger Stripes, now the Chatterbox Show, the radio voice. And joining me for today's edition of Tiger Stripes, if you are an a seasoned person in the University Texas Southern University, if you play football or basketball, this person was the person that you went to for your academic future. This lady has been talked about. Out of almost every Tiger Stripes I've done, she has made an impact on their life. And now we're going to find out why. Joining me for Tiger Stripes, Ms. Yvette Scales. Hello, Ms. Scales. How are you? I'm doing fine, Chatterbox. How are you? All right. Let's go back to where it all started, coming out of high school. Now, are you a native Houstonian? No, I'm not. I came here from Birmingham, Alabama. The Magic City. The Magic City in now, 1960. Now, of all the schools from here, from Houston to Birmingham, why did you choose Texas Southern? My dad was working here. Uh, number one. Well, no, let's go back. Number. One, I really didn't want to go to college because I was afraid to go. My high school was so difficult, and I just felt like I couldn't do college. So I waited around, waited around, lost scholarships, lost deadlines to apply for applications without my mom's knowledge, and it just came down to the wire. She says, you have to go someplace. And so I thought I'd come to Texas. And I was here. My dad was working here in the printing department, James Wilson. Okay. And I came out here to uh, live with him and to go to TSU. Okay. I, I, I even applied late because I thought, well, I'll go out there, and I was just procrastinating. And, and then when uh, I sent my application in, it was like a week later, I got accepted. And I went, oh, wow, now what do I do? So I came out here early, kind of got acquainted with the school and the city a little bit, and here I am. So let me ask you this. When you uh, first, after all the application deadlines you missed and things of that nature, how did you find, so you had your relative working at Texas Southern at the time? How, how did I, what now? So you had a relative working at, at Texas Southern at the time? Oh, my dad. My dad was working in the printing department. He was head of the uh, printing department in the uh, Fairchild building at the time. So that's how I chose Texas Southern University. Now, what was it like your first time as a college student on the campus of Texas Southern? What was that vibe like? Take us back. It was very exciting. Uh, after I 
after I kind of got into it, uh, um, my first um, exciting part was uh, the football players were available to take the trunks and the suitcases of the girls to the women's dorm. That gave them a chance to kind of get a peep at what was going on with the newbies moving in. And uh, I was majoring in pharmacy, so we had students from all over the United States there, and and it was just a good blend. It was a good fix. All of the faculty was eager to help and assist in any way they could. It was more like a, a very close family. And coming from a city hot in the middle of the civil rights uh, action that was going on in Birmingham at the time, uh, for me, Houston was a little subdued in that arena. And I, I was a little nervous in terms of getting out alone here and there because I didn't know what to expect. Because people acted a little friend, a little friendlier. And uh, but you just never knew. I never knew what to expect uh, from the total city population in terms of how civil rights was being impacted. Mm, how ironic! As though you felt that coming to Texas Southern was a a breath of fresh air, or should we say, a new start for you? No, it wasn't a breath of fresh air uh, because. Growing up in Alabama, you knew your place. You knew what to do. You knew where you could go. And 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 my my mom didn't say you can't go here, you can't go there. But just kind of like in you to know that you can't go certain places and you can't do certain things. When coming to uh, Houston, uh, things were kind of subdued and quiet, and you saw people kind of moving about and doing things. It was just kind of a bit uncomfortable for me until I really, really got into Houston and what it was all about to feel comfortable to go uh, outside of my comfort zone. But after I got into it, it was fun, lots of fun, lots of friends. Um, My roommates were from three different places in Texas. They had three different personalities, you know, back in the dorm. Uh, At that time, in Lanier Hall, there were four people in a room, and you can imagine that being crowded versus how they're living today. But uh, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. Well, let me ask you this, Ms. Scales. Once you graduated, what happened then once you got your degree from Texas Southern? What happened then? Well, I got a degree in pharmacy. That's my major. And I worked in retail for about nine, ten years. And I kept kind of contemplating what else I wanted to do because I was kind of getting tired of the of the accounting, poor and licking and sticking, and I wasn't able to just uh, work with people. And although I had sworn that I would never teach anybody, I got this call that says, you've been complaining about athletes not graduating and always failing and having to go to summer school, now here's an opportunity for you to work in that arena where you take the job of a advisor. And I said, well, and then a little 
bird on my shoulder said, all right, now you've been talking about this. Here's your chance. And uh, I got the job. Now, who actually made the call to you to offer that position to you or to tell you about it? Uh, Dr. James Race. Dr. James Race. Uh So talk about when you first started assisting uh, young student athletes with classes and things of that nature. Uh, What was that like for you in the very beginning? In the very beginning, it was uncomfortable for me because I had no idea what I was going to be doing. Uh, I had a very good friend, Ruby Mosley, who was at uh, Houston Community College in counseling, and she kind of gave me some pointers. And Miss Camilio gave me a flyer that was written by a Walsh that had to do with academic inv- uh, advisement. And it was, I think it was a handbook for student athletes. And I asked her to purchase two books, and I developed the Academic Enhancement Center, which came a few years later with this book. It had everything and anything I needed to know about advising student-athletes. And there was Mrs. Norma Robinson, who worked in the registrar's office, who was already certifying athletes. And we got together and we talked. And uh, and she kind of helped me with things I needed to do and things I needed to know. And that meant also getting very, very um, comfortable and knowledgeable about degree plans for every degree in that, that student athletes were majoring in or thinking about majoring in. And here I am with a bunch of students, many of them who, you know, it was anywhere from freshmen to seniors that I had to work with, all different personalities and just different all around. But I was excited, and some of them just immediately became excited that they could really talk to somebody who could help them uh, select their classes. I I reviewed some transcripts, and I really didn't like what I saw. And, uh, you know, in the early years, the students were just taking classes that will help them with a grade point average and fill the number of hours that they're supposed to be enrolled in. And my first year around, it was just a mess. So (laughs) after I learned how to really uh, work with the degrees and work with the uh, scheduling of students, then I, I said, oh, this is this is going to be challenging, and I'm going to love it. Once again, Tiger, once again, uh-huh. Tiger Nation, you with Texas Southern supporter, legend, Vet Scales. Ms. Scales, let me ask you this. You look at some schools, a lot of schools, they have 10, 15, maybe 12 people working in the academic advisement department for athletics. You were the only person back then doing all those sports. How did you have the time and the patience to help each and every student? Well, my motto was I was there for the students, and it wasn't a job. I took it as a responsibility to get them from point A to point B, and they worked with me. 
my first my first time around because I did I did all the sports and um my first time around as soon as um students are recruited, especially football. If I could get football out of the way everything else runs smoothly. Well, I would look at the roster of the football players and when they'd come into the office I would ask them what were they planning to major in. And then I found out what positions they played on the football team. And with freshmen especially, I, I just fed them with, with a spoon and took them step by step. And what I did, I got their high school uh, uh, transcripts. And, you know, we had that, uh, that test that they had to take. Okay. And I looked at I looked at their grades and math and science, and after we got the test scores back, then I grouped them. I said, if you're gonna play together, you might as well be in in the same space together. Now some I had to kind of juggle because some of the grades weren't too good, and you know we had faculty members who were very very strong in their uh, respective course, and and others were more like um, well, they were all strong, but one was more like nurturing students. So there were some students that I did not want to set up for failure. So I wouldn't put them in a instructor's class that also taught uh, seniors and grad students because when you get in that class, you're supposed to be ready to go. And then there was a, a faculty member like Mrs. Um, Bell, who who loved teaching, and she she was a nurturer, so she would take time with the students. So I, according to their grades, I would place them in in classes accordingly because my job is to get these kids to graduate. That's what the coaches were telling the parents when they recruit. We're going to take your kid, and we're going to help him get a degree. So. I wanted to make sure that these kids weren't set up for failure, and uh, and and that's what I did. I, I I took work home. I worked after five o'clock. I attended their practices so I can get a feel on what their personalities were like, and uh, it was it was it was fun for me. My children were older, so it wasn't like I had to spend a lot of time with them. Um, uh, they accepted the fact of what I was doing, and it's going to be something new for me. So other than having to sneak off every now and then for my daughter's uh, basketball games when she was at Yates, and I just hung in there. I learned all the rules and regulations of the game, and I just had a ball. Let me ask you this, Ms. Gale. Who were some of the, uh, your favorite coaches that you really want, really loved working around? and, and, and of, of being around and, and helping students. Who's some of your favorite coaches? Well, my favorite coach is uh, Bob Mormon and his crew, the initial crew of um, um, Lisa Reynolds and um, Robert Gatlin. Uh, they were a very, very interesting team. Uh, Lacey really worked with me uh, when he was bringing in a student, he would come over to the office and 
he would just about tell me the personalities and type of kids that he had recruited. So I had an idea of what I was against with the basketball team. The, the football team was a bit more challenging. Um, one of my favorite coaches that I worked on football in was um, heck, I can't even think of his name now, but he mm. was from uh, uh, his his whole squad were um, professional football players. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, Lionel Taylor. I worked with them because it was interesting to see that with each one of them playing uh, professional football and, and to see them come in and work with students on an individual basis in terms of their personalities, it blended so well with what I was trying to do, and they worked well with me to help me with with, with their players. But that was a uh, favorite team with um, – Taylor. Let me ask um, you this. Let me uh-huh. ask you this. When a student came to you and they felt like giving up, what were some of the things you talked to those students about uh, to keep them focused and keep them back on track? Well, I would uh, sit and talk with them first and just ask them, well, what's, what's really going on? Because most of them I had uh, a rapport with them with uh, that I tried to establish early that, you know, I was there to help them. And I would ask them, just just tell me what's going on, what's the problem. And when I could, I would walk them through the process. I would recommend uh, someone for them to talk to. And I would ask them, well, if you give up, then what are you going to do? Um, one one person, um, uh, Wanda Adams, during her career, she broke her leg and she couldn't play and she said she was going to quit and she was going to do something else. I said, no, you can't do that. We're going to go over here, talk to the financial aid people and see if you can get the money and you finish and get your degree. And, you know, just instances like that because I had, I had um, by this time gathered enough rapport with them that they were coming to the office and felt comfortable enough to sit and chit-chat about about everything that was going on with their lives, either personal or athletic or academic, uh, because I felt that in order for these kids to succeed, you have to treat the whole student. If a student is getting bad grades, then they're not going to do well on the field. If they're not doing well on the field, they're not going to do well in the classroom. So coaches sort of didn't care about what was happening in the classroom. They just needed to win. Well, I needed to win, too. So I took the whole student, uh, kids having problems with their girlfriend or boyfriend. Um, sometimes uh, students will have children, and then they want to keep the child and not put the child in daycare and try to schedule their children every, I mean, their um classes. Every other class would be the dad's class and every other class would be the mom's class so that they would have an opportunity to be in the class and not have to worry with someone having a baby. I have sat and held babies. My, you know, my teacher won't let me come in and take the test and I don't have anybody to keep the baby. I said, leave me a diaper and a bottle and go and come back when you get finished. So when you work with people, in general, like that, like you care, 
it's easy for them to want to do. And it, that's how it was easy for me to help uh, several kids decide not to quit. Um, sometimes a basketball player will come in, I don't like the way coach is doing this and coach is doing that. And my question is, whose team is it? Are you in charge? And what are you going to do if you don't have funds to go to school? Do your parents want you back home? What skills do you have? And by the time we finished talking about things like that, it's like they had knew they had nothing else to do but stay in school. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Brian Brooks, you and Brian Brooks have a very special relationship. Talk about uh, Brian Brooks and your relationship with him. Well, Brian came to uh, TSU. Uh, he doesn't know that Coach Reynolds asked me to pay special attention to him because he really hadn't been away from home. He was kind of quiet and shy. And I said, okay. So when he walked in, he looked a lot like my son. And I said, okay, here's another Brian. I told him I had a son named Brian, and it just kind of went from there. They're, my son played basketball. Brian played basketball. I think one season during Brian's career, he shaved all his hair, and my son had shaved all his hair. They were just kind of lined up together. And Brian was the first one to start calling me uh, Mama Scales. And so my daughter said, okay, now, You've, you can't have all these people calling you mama. You only got two children. <laughs> so I introduced her to Brian, and after she met him, she could see why I, I had this special bond for him. He was, um, he was eager to do well. He was eager to play well. And he, like some of the others on, on the teams, would ask me, you know, how did I do? Um, what do you think about the game? Because I, I check them in the office with their attitude in terms of how they played, or how I felt they played. You know, why did you have to cause that foul? Or why did you cause that big penalty in football and stuff like that? So Brian and I just created a, a bond for each other. He would He would come to the office and he would just to say good morning, and I talk about how nice he looked and things like like that. And one day he came to the office, and I was kind of busy, and I didn't acknowledge what he looked like, and I wasn't aware that he was coming over to see what I was going to say before he went to class. And he, my daughter said, you know, you hurt Brian's feelings. I said, what do you mean? And she said, uh, he thought he didn't look good because you didn't say that he did. And I said, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that's what he was doing. So I told my staff, I said, we're going to have to pay special attention to these kids because they want affirmation as to how they look. Because uh, Mrs. Um, Allen and um, was was uh, in the office with me along with uh, – I'll think of her in a minute. And and I told them, we have to look at 
all of these students from head to toe and and always compliment them and let them know when they they're going well, then they will be open to you telling them when they don't look well how they should dress and, and what it looks like on the other side. So Brian and I had that relationship. If he had a problem, he'd come and he'd see me no matter what was going on. And, and he was just there for me uh, in terms of what I needed uh, to help me with relationships with the other people on the team. If someone was having a problem, sometimes he'd come and tell me, you need to talk to so-and-so because he's messing up in the game. He's not doing well. I don't know what's going on. Coach won't talk to him. So uh, it was just like that. He was a kind of took a leadership role, uh, a liaison person between the basketball team and me so that the team would continue to do well. And, you know, during those years when Brian was here and even afterwards, that was a dynamite squad that Coach Moreland created. Yes, and let me ask you this. If you had to do it all over again, would you change anything, Ms. Scales? No, no. Um, if I knew what I was going to get myself into, I would have been better prepared. But that's a part of my life that was has turned out to be very, very important to me. I truly feel that I've made a difference. And when homecoming comes and the kids come and they introduce me to their families and their children and they they speak about what I meant to them while they were in school, these are my roses. You know, it's it's almost as if, my my dash from my birth to my uh, to my death it is being written, and nothing can take away anything that I've done with any of those kids that came through me the nineteen years that I was there. Well, Miss Gills, I got to tell you, you touched a lot of lives, made an impact on me, and a lot of other students at Texas Southern University. And I just want to thank you for coming on and telling your story and displaying your tiger stripes. And thank you for all you've done for Texas Southern University. Well, thank you, Chatterbox, and thanks to all the kids who helped make me the person that I am today. You know, it, it looked easy from the outside, and I had my trials, but I also had uh, smiles and encouragement from people on the campus and even for my children, they are just happy as a lark when homecoming comes because they know that I'm going to see students who love me and who still love me, and I love all of them. And you too. <laughs> well, Ms. Gales, thank you so much for taking time out with us, and we look forward to talking with you later. We'll see you at a game, and, and I hope this uh, impacts some other lives. Thank you for telling your story. Thank you very much. All righty. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.